0: Yo and hello everybody, Mike here and welcome to another episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard Podcast. Tonight is going to be kind of fun because I want to talk about something. I I was brought this idea from my guest tonight who you'll meet in a second and it was a topic that I thought warranted some discussion And, and because there is this common, I think, drive as all collectors To be what's next. What's the next thing? What are we, what are we looking for? What are we hunting for? And that's a lot of, there's a lot of joy in that within the hobby, but I think it can obviously distract us from a lot of things around the hobby that can also be enjoyable if it's our singular focus. And so what I want to talk about tonight and give you guys some ideas or some things, talk through this topic, and give you guys some things to think about about ways to enjoy the hobby beyond just acquiring more items and to do that i'm going to bring on my guest tonight it is drew the drew from a vintage legacy drew welcome to the show how are you
1: i'm great thanks for having me on tonight mike
0: you right. betcha i'm excited uh when you came to me with this topic i was very intrigued mm-hmm. um why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your story as, as much as you want to get into and And how the hobby's been for you the the last 18 months or so
1: okay so you know my story is very typical for a lot of collectors especially in our age range you know i collected as a kid did the packs and and all that kind of stuff got caught up in the sort of the junk wax era whatever accumulating and and um you know as i got older and things happened or whatever my collection grew um i didn't really have a lot of downs uh out downtime out of the hobby like a lot of people Um, and then when uh, eBay came along I I suddenly discovered that I could afford vintage cards uh, because I always looked in the Beckett's and you know those things were thousands of dollars according to Beckett and I couldn't do that but you know I started getting uh, buying cards and doing this and that anyway and for about a decade or so a couple of decades actually I I really um, accumulated quite a a decent collection I was very happy with and had a, a great time doing it but a few years ago, I had a, a, a personal situation and I realized um, that uh, my collection was so big that if really what it came down to is if something had happened to me, I realized that my collection um, would become a burden to my wife and my kids if I wasn't here. And I thought I didn't want to do that to them, you know, so I started, I started downsizing my collection. I started what I called uncollecting my collection and, uh, and I really just, uh, kept the things that I really enjoyed, uh, the, the, special cards to me, the special sets or players or whatever. And, and then that became, you know, what I ended up doing. And, uh, and I thought, well, this is it, you know, I'm, I'm not much of a, a card collector anymore. I didn't, I wasn't adding anything. I was getting rid of things. And, uh, and then, uh, without my knowing that it was going to happen, I, I started enjoying the hobby on a whole new level that I never thought I could do. And it had nothing to do with acquisition, but had everything to do with enjoying what I have and being creative in what I already owned in order to enjoy this hobby on a different level. So that's kind of where I am now and that's what I've been doing. And I add very, very few things to my collection, but I'm having the best time I've ever had in my entire collecting life, so.
0: So you told me in a text, how many cards you added in 2023 tell everybody how many cards you added in 2023
1: i added now this is cards that i actually sought out and purchased so i had gifts from people and stuff like that but actually where i sought it out and did it i added a total of three cards in 2023 and um and that was it so
0: yeah most people listening to this would would be like well what the heck you know and they might even define you not as a collector. And I completely disagree with that. I think, in fact, all the people that tell me that they took breaks uh, for periods of their life for various reasons, you know, growing up, chasing girls, buying cars, whatever, going to college, all these things, didn't have the money, etc. All of those are, doesn't make you not a collector. If you still have your cards, you still enjoy your cards. You from time to time, look at your cards you still have them. You're a collector and you were uncollecting your collection, but you were still a collector because you still had cards, you know? And so I don't, I like to think of, uh, just people, if you have cards, yes, you collect cards.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the things I realized was not just the, the cards that I collected over the years, it was the memories. And if anybody's ever watched my channel on YouTube, you know, that I, I'm all about just telling the stories about my collecting experience and and that's what i collected that i'm enjoying the most is just reliving all those stories um whether it's people i've met or or how i obtain stuff or just silly things or fun things or whatever so it's just all part of the experience besides just obtaining things
0: would you say a large contributor to your newfound enjoyment of the hobby beyond acquiring new things has been social media, whether it's YouTube or other other platforms, would you say that's true?
1: Yeah, definitely, because I've been on Net54 for quite a long time. Um, In fact, the first time I ever heard or met you was that over a decade ago. I didn't know who you were. And you did a a quick, it was your first room tour video. And I watched it and I remember watching, I didn't know who you were. And um, years later, I, I found you on YouTube through Other circumstances and I'm like, I know that room somewhere and I went back and sure enough. It was you from way back I commented on your post years and years ago uh, That I thought it was a cool thing that you did. But anyway, yeah um, So being on net 54, I got to know people but you only could know them to a certain extent but here on YouTube, you know, you get to see people and, and listen to them and and it's just it's been easier to get to know so many people to where now like so many other people I've got this huge group of, of people that I really call friends and I've only met one that I met on YouTube actually in person. So it's kind of fun to, to be able to connect with so many people from different backgrounds and all over the place and, and just share that experience with them.
0: Yeah, it's funny. You bring up net 54, not a place I frequent a lot anymore because mm-hmm. of what I do here on YouTube and podcasts and all that. I only have so much hobby time just like everybody else. But a decade ago, that was the place to go if you were a vintage guy. And it yeah. still exists. It's still a great place. Uh, if I, I hardly ever talk about it on this show. But Net54, if you've never heard of it, is a forum, basically an online forum with a myriad of topics. If you want to learn something about vintage cards or there's a set you want to know more about, that's the place to go because there are um, my son-in-law is calling me. Hang on. Um, There's so much knowledge there and, but it's exciting to that you've kind of migrated because forums, you can only learn about people so much, right? At the end of the day, I even went to some of the net 54 dinners at the national and, you know, it was great and all, you know, what's your username, you know, and I don't, there's so many people, it's hard to get to know anyone really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's other mediums that I think lend themselves better to developing good friendships and and people you can really have common ground with and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. still a great place to learn, a great place to see things and uh, blowout forms is obviously another one. Those are the two kind of, those are the two big ones, I would say. hmm so, yeah, those have been, well, you, you made me reach back into the mental archives there for sure. Yeah. Thinking about that. Um Yeah. Great time, Good times. I remember posting that video and like, nobody's going to watch this.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was funny because, not to get off topic, but I, I remember watching it and I'm like, I can't believe someone's actually putting their collection on YouTube. Like, YouTube was just, it wasn't like, I don't know, it just had a different aura back then and uh and you were the first person i ever saw anything with cards and for a long long time so yeah but that's that's just part of the connection and that's that's how i got to where i am and yes to answer your question a lot of my enjoyment is because i'm doing youtube but not because i'm creating stuff it's you can still get to know people even if you're not creating people through comments and other other ways as well
0: yeah for sure um the greatest thing was youtube used to have direct messaging it's part of the app so you could actually if you saw somebody that you really connected with on a on a collecting level you could hey reach out and hey i love your stuff or whatever i i used to do that all the time in the beginning uh because i didn't know anyone either and have, have built a great network of friends similar to you and i would say that is my favorite part of enjoying the hobby uh period more than the cards even more than the cards Definitely, we, which is not why any of us ever got on it. We, we got on there because we liked cards and we found out, Hey, I like these people more, you uh-huh. know, and uh, that's been so much fun. And now we have this again, this uh, we can speak this common language of that no one else can speak. If you start talking to a non-card person and use acronyms and describe things that most people would, their eyes would glaze over and they wouldn't understand. Uh, so it's a unique bond that, card collectors have and a unique community that we have here. People listen to this podcast that watch the show on YouTube, whatever. Uh, They reach out to me all the time and just say how much it it means to them to, you know, connect with other people, like hear other people. Nobody wants to hear me talk for an hour. Uh, But as we go through more of not collecting or not acquiring, uh, I almost, I almost contradicted myself there of, not acquiring other ways you've found to pass your hobby time, so to speak, that have been Mm -hmm. enjoyable for you? What
1: would you say? Um, Well, a couple of things uh, that you can do. I I don't, I haven't, I have done these, all of these to some level, but things that I'm also bringing experience from talking to other people um, and, and just a suggestion. So the first one is, is you can organize what you already have um you know you've got the beast uh you know there's i know you do i know jake legends never die real big into spreadsheets and getting it all in paper or getting it on computers um you know just go back to like when you were a kid and you're putting them in binders or or putting them in order but just organize your collection pull it out every once in a while if you've got cards and binders or if you've got slabs and boxes pull them out and organize them in some way and you start to remember The cards you remember why you got what you did and a lot of times that leads to rediscovery of things you forgot you had um you know not everybody you just you can't remember every single thing you've ever gotten so so that would be one is just organized not because you have to like as a little kid go clean your room it's more like you get to do this you know and you get to um touch the cards again and see them and look at them and read the backs and you kind of get lost and go down rabbit trails, but you already have those cards in your home or wherever you are. So that's, that's one of them is just organize what you have and, and reorganize it. Um, it's just kind of like playing with cards, so to speak. Um, another one is, uh, that I've done, and this is when, you know, if you're in a a place where finances are an issue and you just don't have the budget, um, you know, we, we kind of all experienced this boom over the last few years and, and I've heard over and over and over, well, I just can't afford those cards. I can't afford that anymore or whatever. It's outpriced me. Um, reuse your collection to reacquire something or to acquire something you've never had. And I'll give you a great example. Years ago, um, I was a, a Hall of Fame type collector. I was trying to get one Hall of Fame player or card from every player. Um, and a lot of guys do that. And I was trying to get as many different sets as possible. And, of course, once you get into pre-war, you get into some real big cards no matter when you bought them they were expensive and there was a certain card that i had no budget left um and and it was going to be tough i knew it was going to be expensive for what i was at and uh so what i started doing was i want i challenged myself i wanted to see if i could go in my my sort of dime box and and take as many cards as possible and try to sell and flip and move stuff that i had forever that wasn't really valuable and and see if i can nickel and dime my way up to this card and i did so i'm talking like 50 i remember a 50 cent kirby pocket card or whatever you know you're you're, you're selling this stuff and you're kind of and you just kind of you start to grow this pile it's kind of like when you empty the change out you know from your you know on your dresser or whatever and I also like, oh man i had five bucks i didn't know it and uh anyway so i'm going to show you the card that i got and i'll tell you what it is for the thing but i actually acquired from my dime box over the years a 1913 national game Ty Cobb and I I bought this card with nothing more than what was already in my collection and it's not a high grade but it is a Ty Cobb it was when he played and it'll always be my Ty Cobb so <laughs> that's just it, it sort of like use what you have to get something you really really want and uh, it's not that's not for everybody but it is a lot of fun if you have that mindset to be able to do that
0: and I totally respect that. It, it's a great story. I, I immediately and probably a lot of people feel the same way. I immediately started thinking, well, what could I get rid of and 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 trade up, so to speak. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking about. I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I had um, Mike hero over last week, and he was looking around. He's like, "How do you ever look at all this stuff?" And the answer is, I don't. It's impossible. The volume of stuff that I have is quite literally impossible. And so my challenge has been, to myself has been okay, look, I have X thousands of Hall of Fame autographs. I don't need that many. I don't need 59 Brooks Robinsons or whatever. You know, could I take some of those? And I'm, my, the, the goal card I would be trying to get is a DeLong Lou Gehrig. Okay. Uh-huh. So, an eight to ten thousand dollar card, which to pay the cash for that is daunting. Um, and so I think, well, how else could I do it? And it would be to sell all these. I have a lot of twenty dollar bills and fifty dollar bills in these Hall of Fame autographs, you know, mm-hmm. that I could, I could, I wouldn't even probably have to sell as many as I think I would to get to that point. I would clear a lot of space. And I think to myself, would I miss the card? Right. And if I started doing that. And the answer is probably not, because I don't even look at it now. Right. Yeah. So it's like I'm I'm having to be very honest with myself about my collection and what truly do I enjoy? What truly makes me happy? Would I rather have would I rather have these 2,000 extra Hall of Fame autographs or would I rather have a DeLong Gehrig? Right. Yeah. As, as a just one example, right? You could do that in a whole lot of ways. And it makes a whole lot of sense. My hurdle, the mental hurdle of doing that is, you know, once you go down it, I don't want to half ass it. So it's either I do it all the way, yeah, or don't do it at all. And it's finding time, listing stuff, you know, can take a like it, it takes time. Oh, sure. It's work, no doubt. And for me personally, having to deal with the taxes and everything and selling and getting to a threshold where I would have to start reporting all of this just sounds nightmarish to me. And it, you know, so do I do it at shows, you know, where cash is king kind of thing? I, you know, I enjoy going to shows. I enjoy going to shows. I don't, I've been a dealer already once at recently at a Dallas show, not the, Funnest experience. I, enjoyed, I had a good time, but I'd much rather not be obligated to sit and try to negotiate and, you know, yada, yada. So it feels to me, my hurdle is me. It's my own. I'm, I'm kind of having a therapy session with you right now about my collection in that. Why do I need all this stuff? And at what point do I start doing what you did a while back to uncollect, so to speak? in a way.
1: But, and, and that's the thing is, if, if you choose to go down that road, and that road is not for everybody, that was for me at that time. And I may not do that now. But if you choose to go down that road, it is a lot of work. But it's, it's like anything else, you're setting a goal. And I will at- obtain this goal, but I have to do all these steps. So like what you were referring to, um, in, in our little counseling session is, you need to look at that and say, is this a reason i'm not doing it or is it an excuse i'm not doing it oh and
0: totally if, an excuse
1: then <laughs> if it's an excuse then you know either turn it into a reason or get over yourself and i don't mean to be rude but it's no. not just, this is everybody but it is a lot of work and it's not for everybody but the way i, I in fact i was talking to a friend of mine uh, in the hobby and he's got a card He's, i just can't ever save that much and this and that. And I said, if you sat down at a table, like if you sat down at a table and you had your pile of, of Hall of Fame autographs of Fergie Jenkins and Jim Palmers or whoever you've got your 20 and $50 bills and someone's got a, a, a 33 to long across the table from me, they say, look, I will give you this pile for this. You would snatch it up in a second. The only difference is you have to go through one at a time or a lot at a time to get through that big pile. That's the work but the sweat equity makes it that much more fun and then then you've got that story that i referred to earlier then every time you show off your delong you're like and i got this delong garrig because i sold you know all these hall of fame autographs that i don't even miss and it becomes that much more deep it becomes that much more rooted in your collection of why it's so special because if we can just write a check for any card it's just another card it's just got a higher price tag but if you put the sweat equity in it makes it that much more valuable to you internally
0: yeah i i get it um it's a lot easier to buy cards with found money than earned money right if someone gave you a hundred dollars and said go buy a card you might not buy the card you might just buy some well, I wouldn't have bought this, but I've got this hundred dollars. I might as well buy that with that versus man. I worked for this hundred dollars, whether it's at your job or selling cards or whatever, to earn that hundred dollars. You're gonna be more cognizant and careful about how you spend it, right? Exactly. Not so just uh wishy-washy about it, so to speak. You know, you said something earlier that I really resonate with, and that's the um the arrangement of your cards, like going through and kind of, you know, either putting sets into a binder or uh, just going through boxes. I've done that in the past. I've had periods and I I enjoy that thoroughly, you know, organizing my collection, reorganizing my collection. Well, maybe I'll, I'll rearrange this case this way and I'll put these out and that, that eats up an evening of hobby time. Right. And I'm not, I'm not sitting on eBay just looking for the next thing to buy. Exactly. I'm, I'm enjoying my collection and I'm, Uh, you know, putting it in a different way for me to look at the next day and and days forward going forward. That's, that's enjoyment for me. No doubt. I have found I'll get in the closet and I'll pull out a box and I want to see what's in here, you know? And one time I found a 2011 trout update rookie, you know, (laughs) and like, Oh, well, that's kind of cool. Kind of neat that I found that with a bunch of other 20, I had a Rizzo and a, whoever else is in 2011 tops update and i was like holy crud i don't i don't remember buying these cards my, exactly. yeah, I must have bought blaster boxes or whatever back in in the day and enjoyed seeing what inserts were there and oh these are cool and they're they're cards i look at very seldom um and the the biggest thing for me is the sets right because i have all these sets and boxes going from now back to 73 they're all in boxes right and i have my older vintage sets that I've been doing in binders, but I haven't pulled out a box and converted it from box set to binder set because I'm like, it's a lot of work. It, it, all excuses, by the way, I'm acknowledging that. Um, but because I know once it goes and then it is a space issue. That's a real thing. That's not a, that's a reason, not an excuse. It's like, where do I put, I want to do that for all my sets. Cause I want to be able to go through them from time to time and look through them and, and enjoy all the cards instead of what good are they doing sitting in a box mm-hmm. right in terms of my enjoyment of them so and this is very cathartic for me i'm i'm kind of enjoying this discussion i'm trying to think of other ways i enjoy uh, obviously another way that i enjoy the hobby is by reading articles or watching other youtube videos because mm-hmm. beyond me getting a card that i've been looking for for a while watching someone that i know and and have invested time into their youtube or know them as a friend watching them acquire a card that they've been after for a while is incredibly satisfying uh it's surprising how much how happy i can be for someone else to get a card even if it's one that i would like i would love that card but man it's so cool to see you know johnny get the card that he's been looking for for five years i love that so that eats up that could eat up a whole evening of hobby time if I just spent it watching YouTube and catching up on people's videos. So um, go ahead. Other thoughts, Drew, right now? Yeah.
1: Um, so that kind of leads into another one is when you start really getting into this hobby on a on a different, not necessarily deeper, but maybe deeper level. know and you start meeting people and making connections they start to become more than just a fellow collector and they start to become a fellow friend and then you can share that experience now you already mentioned you know you get to see somebody you know get a card they're looking for and you and i both know that it doesn't matter what that card is it could be like for instance i watched a video this morning of a guy that i know on youtube he's got a small channel he has a, a he has a good collection but he's very happy and what he acquired was probably a five-dollar card, but hearing the joy in his, in his voice as he described finally getting this thing, and he couldn't believe. It, I was so happy for him. You know what I mean? And it doesn't matter the value. Um, you know, I don't. You and I are not deep friends from long past, but still, when you finally get this to long because you've talked about it, you know, on your channels and stuff, I'm going to be excited for you. You know what I mean? Um, but just the same as I was excited for this other guy today when he got this card that he couldn't believe he finally had. So that's the thing is when you make that connection with people, then you can start to share in their experience. And that's another way to really enjoy this. And then you can start again, kind of like a kid. You make up games. You and Chris, Chris from Missouri, are doing this whole challenge thing. I mean, that's just honestly two grown kids playing with their baseball cards and you're filming it. and, And, you know, you know, and it's all in fun. You know, I mean, we talked about it a little bit before we started recording, but, you know, you, you've got to knock down his ego a little bit. It's just all jest and it's all fun, but it doesn't really matter um, in the long run. So making that connection with people and then being able to um, share in their joy and and have fun with their collection as well. You know, be able to talk about it and what did they get and how did they do and what were their experiences. All that just helps drive the, the depths of, of this community being so much more fun than just getting cardboard.
0: Totally. Uh, I better set this up. A friend of mine, Chris from Missouri, and I over on my baseball collector YouTube channel have been doing a series over the last six weeks or so. Eight, I don't know how many weeks now, but where we will hit a randomizer and spin a wheel and pick a player and we'll each show all the cards we have of that player. So we're, in effect, enjoying what we have, right? It gives us opportunities to pull out cards I haven't looked at in a long time, potentially, and and putting them all together. I love doing tabletop showcases where I get to go pull all the cards of a player from a certain year and lay them out on the table and get to see them all the way that I think uh, God meant to, for us to see our cards, which is laid out where we can actually see them and not tucked away in a dark hole. And uh, so Chris and I play a game where we get points based on the the grade and do we have it or not? And it's just this friendly competition that has been so much fun and it's with stuff we already have. That's the, that's the best thing is I'm not buying new stuff to, I did it one time actually I bought a siever card, Um, but it was more to make a point and to have fun with it. And it was a cheap card, but we have had so much fun. He and I are both talking, like we talk privately all the time and it's like, Dude, this is the most fun. I'm. I can't wait till the next episode. I'm, I'm yeah. looking. Yeah, I pulled the cards already for Reggie Jackson, who's the next player we're going to be doing, uh, and I'm going to beat him. But uh, yeah, there you can connect with people, and then in different ways, trading. Right, trading with your friends. You know, that's something where you can take cards maybe that you don't necessarily have an affinity for anymore, and and turn that into something that you would enjoy. I have friends that literally their their pc which to me pc is kind of a permanent designation like it's if it's in the pc it's untouchable sure and my definition is i think very narrow-minded compared to my friends who think yeah it's in my pc until i decide to sell it well wait a second then its i think well then it's not pc right but they they say no I'm going to enjoy it while I have it and if i find something different that I want to add, and I can use that to acquire that, and I've had kind of my fill of it, so to speak, then all the better, you know, and there, there's some, there's some wisdom there when they say that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
0: Totally get it. Um, so going forward, if you think about, okay, I'm in this, low acquisition period right is that something that you're enjoying so much that you plan on continuing Do you have other are you going to maybe expand your collecting purchases beyond three in 2024
1: well so i don't probably probably um but i don't have a goal of like well i'm going to go all the way to four you know what i mean right. um but in doing this uh you know my collecting budget is not zero I'm just not spending it. And I don't because, you know, I I really came to a point to where cards that I want have been around for 50, 60, 70, whatever years. If it's another year, it's going to be OK. You know what I mean? And um, so I'm really not like I got to have it now. Like I, I've kind of gotten over a lot of that. Um, there have been a few things um, that I really was sort of hot and heavy on the search for but i've acquired a few of those and now i'm okay so i'll give you an example um this year i do have a for me it's a big card um that i want to get and uh and i'm hoping that at least by the end of the national i will own it however if i come across it before the national i'm okay to get it um when i go to the national which i'm going this year it's the first time i've ever been and i'm looking forward to if i come back with zero new cards i'm still okay i i don't care if i pick anything up but if i get that one card i mean how much cooler is that um so you know that's that's kind of where i am as far as that goes other cards i don't know um i've got money that's that's sort of saved up for whatever but if i don't get it it's okay because i don't have any current um want list like uh you know i'm not building a set i i finished a 53 bowman color set uh, about two years ago and when i was done with that i thought you know what i think i'm done set collecting I'm, a, I'm okay i don't want to go through another set i have four vintage sets they all have a very special reason and meaning for me and they're all complete and i'm happy with them well five because i have the red heart set um and uh, and uh, but i you know i i'm okay with what i have i really am um because i can pull out i don't have and, and i'm not putting down people that have this kind of a collection I don't have thousands or tens of thousands of cards. I can pull out a couple of the ones I have and just re-enjoy them uh, and rediscovery. And um, so another thing I like to do is, is I like to, just like as a kid, you pull out some cards and you try to find something that you never noticed on a card before. And, uh, and you can, you can spend hours doing this. You can research it and find stuff. Uh, you can hear people on YouTube or wherever, and they'll say like, hey, did you know that such and such a card is whatever? In fact, I heard something from you a while ago that I never knew that, I think you said it was what, Mickey Mantle's last appearance on a Tops card was a, a team card or something? 71 Tops, yeah. 71 Tops team card. I didn't know that. So I went and found, because I have the 71 set, that's the year I was born. So I went and found it, and sure <laughs> enough, there he was. Uh, to another point of that, I'm going to make a correction because this is the biggest uh, platform I've had the opportunity to do this on. But Stan Musial's first appearance on a top card is not 1958. He was actually on 1956's team card. So there you go. But, you know, it's one of those things that now it's a blurry little photo. You can't see him, but still his name <laughs> But uh, it, it's stuff like that. Um so I'll give you a story if you've got to, if you indulge me, but I'm going to show you a card and we can talk, talk to, tell the people what it is, but I bet you, you're going to know the card and you're going to know why I'm showing you this card. Now this is out of my set and I've got a, a beater set, but go ahead and tell people what that card is.
0: It's the 71 tops Mets, Bud Harrelson,
1: Bud Harrelson. Now why do people like that card outside if they're a big Bud Harrelson fan?
0: Well, I think that's Nolan Ryan on the mound.
1: It is Nolan Ryan on the mound. And everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people know that. So it's a common player that's got a Hall of Famer in the foreground. And that's really cool to see that. What I wanted to do was, as I looked at this, and I've known that for years and years and years, I thought, well, who else is on this card? So I started really looking at this card and I did a lot of investigation. I'm going to show the card a little closer, but you can see Bud Harrelson is is applying a tag to someone sliding into second base. I wanted to find out who that player on second base is or sliding into second base. So I did a lot of investigating. I went back and took a game, uh, game, not footage, but game records of when this picture had to be taken. I looked at the color of the uniform. I looked at anything distinguishing. And what I found out, Uh, I'm pretty sure, is that that photo was taken immediately after this at bat. Now, that is the same set, but that's actually Joe Morgan at bat. And sliding into second base is Joe Morgan. So um, a lot of people know that Bud Harrelson has a Hall of Famer. He actually has two Hall of Famers on his card from 1971. (laughs) When I discovered that, that was like, it was like when you get your DeLong. I was so excited to find that out because it took hours to research and go back through baseball reference and all this stuff. And you can do that with cards where you find interesting things, um, whether it's in the pictures or, or in the, the details or in the bios in the back and things you never knew or you've forgotten about. That's just super cool to me. And that's just a way to enjoy your cards is just enjoy what you have by studying it more than just saying, well, I have a whatever the card is, you know, a 71 Bud Harrelson. Um, So that kind of stuff is super cool to me, and I love doing that. Um,
0: That's a great story, and a great lesson for all of us to to maybe just dive deeper into the stuff, like you said, like we already have, and go, "Wow, that's cool!" You know, everybody knows the fifty six tops, Hank Aaron is actually Willie Mays sliding on the the inset picture stuff. You know, the fifty seven tops, Aaron is reverse negative. You know, Uh there's some common things that that have been that are baseball card lore. But I didn't know about that, about the Bud Harrelson card. That's pretty yeah. cool.
1: Well, here's another one as an example. Someone, I saw this on a video pointed out, but this is a 1956 tops, Eddie Matthews, but he's, he's rolling into second base. Well, that's Pee Wee Reese on the ground and I'm a yeah. huge Pee Wee Reese collector, but a lot you could see it clearly. You can see Dodgers on his uniform. Um, 1956 is absolutely the best set to find hidden hall of famers. Uh, because in the action shots there's so many plays that were at home or first and you can see a lot of players like I've got uh, Jimmy Pearsall same set and you can see very clearly that's Yogi Berra that is on the ground and um, Berra and Campanella appear in more cards than anybody else that set because there's so many plays at home and of course a lot of those were taken in New York so again it's just flipping through what you have and and finding stuff and um, you know Jimmy Pearsall's he's a semi-star maybe, but he's not a hall of famer. So if you don't have an Eddie Matthews, you know, look at Pearsall or whoever, you know, uh, but you're right. There's, there's the, the things that we know in baseball card lore, and then there's things that are still yet to be discovered that you may not have known. So.
0: Very, very cool. Um trying to think of other ways that I enjoy my collection beyond the, uh, the cards themselves, acquiring new cards. And, There's a lot to be said for learning about the players. Whenever I have a kid that comes over, I will usually give them multiple cards, usually of players long dead before they were even born. You know, these are younger kids. And I say, hey, I'm going to give you this card, but I want you to go read about this player because he was significant for this reason or that reason. And I want you to go learn more about that. We, I don't think we... Especially in today's world, it's about owning the card and not why is that player historically significant in any way. Um, and I, I love that as a kid, and I, I need to rediscover that more and read more biographies and read more baseball reference pages and go look at oh my gosh, this person was amazing and look at this. I I need to. That's kind of a you know telling myself I need to be even better about that because. There's a lot of joy in that, in, in yeah. really knowing the story.
1: Yeah, you can you can easily randomly pick, say, five cards from your collection um, of common players and then spend a night researching those five people and just challenge yourself to find what was different or exciting, a story about that guy. The thing is, is it's not all in, well, it is in books, but it's so easy on the internet now. You just sit down and you can look. And find stuff, and you know, one of the things that that I've heard and I've said is, these guys that made the major leagues, they were absolutely the best player in their high school, you know what I mean? And even if they're a common and they only had a cup of coffee and they only played for a half a season and they didn't do well or had a negative war or whatever, at one point in time, they were the best player in whatever league they were at. So they have a story to be discovered or rediscovered. So. Spend some time going through and looking, and then when you see that card, it's like, man, this is really, really cool that this card has got this, like, whatever about it. Um, Another one, as an example, uh, is, and I don't have the card in front of me, um, but in 1953, I know it's card number 69, Dick Brodowski, who was just a, he pitched for, I think, four or five years, Boston Red Sox. Um, Well, what's cool about that card, 1953 Tops, is in the background, you see Fenway Park, and it's actually lit up. And I think it's the first card that depicts a night game, and uh, and that's kind of cool. He's a common, but you can pick that card up for a couple of bucks in in decent condition, and uh, and you've got the first card that depicts a night game that we're so used to nowadays. But you know, for half of baseball's history, from where we are now, they didn't play at night, right. and uh, and that's kind of cool to me. That's really kind of neat. So whether you like Dick Brodowski or not, his card is kind of cool, when, and you'll never look at that card. The same again if you don't notice it.
0: I've gone down the Wikipedia rabbit hole so many times where I'll pull up a player. Um, usually when I'm going to do a, a showcase on their cards or whatever, to during the showcase, you know, give some little tidbits <laughs> about. If I show uh, a '67 tops, I want to talk of carly Trimsky. I want to talk about you know that team and this is the year he won the MVP or whatever. You know, I want to know all these things. Because as much as I wish I remembered everything, I it's impossible. So I refresh myself, and then I find myself in the Wikipedia rabbit hole, and it makes me then go, "Oh well, let me go look at this up and that up." And I mean, yeah, it's been those things are fun to do, and then it takes my mind completely off acquiring new cards. I have exactly mm-hmm. very little interest in doing that at that moment, um, but I will have moments where. And baseball, the the Ken Burns thing does this to me a lot. Where I will watch, listen to a story that I've heard a dozen times, as many times as I've watched it, but it sinks in at a different level. And then I go look for that person's cards. I'm like, oh, I don't have a, you know, Fred Merkel card. You know, I need to go look for a Fred Merkel. I still don't have a Fred Merkel. But every time I read or read anything or watch anything about Merkel's boner, I want to go and get a Fred Merkel card just for giggles because it connects me to that story and I still don't have one, but there are uh, there's lots of things like it can go both directions, right? In a good way, because then there's actually a reason to buy the card than just to have one. Exactly. You have it, right? It's man, I love this documentary and this and that. Um, awesome. So I hope you guys have learned any, any other final thoughts I was gonna finish up here for us, if you got anything else.
1: No, not really. I mean, the the other thing is, remember, it's a hobby. You know what I mean. And and I've heard you say it a hundred times. Um, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And and a hobby is meant to be enjoyed. So enjoy the hobby. Um, you know, buying cards and acquiring cards is definitely a fun thing. The thrill of the hunt and the chase. But that's not the only thing. And there's so many other ways to enjoy what you have. Um, and and so just try to maybe it's a little effort to put into, figure out how to do that. But once you get rolling on that, and those part become part or different, say, branches of how you collect, um, it just becomes a more full experience as a hobby. Um, get to know more people, uh, or, or get to know the people better, talk about stuff, share your collection with people, have them share with you. Uh, all that stuff is just, it's just made the whole hobby experience, like I said, a much more full experience. And, uh, but anyway, that's that's kind of where my thoughts are on it. So I appreciate you.
0: I love it, Drew. I really appreciate you uh, being my counselor tonight. Uh, <laughs> I, what are you? 150 an hour? 200 an hour? I got to decide how much to pay you for this session. But uh, I really do appreciate your time and coming on the show, and it was a great idea for an episode, and I'm so glad to do it. So, um, yeah. That's it for today, guys. Really, uh, if you got something out of this, leave a comment. would love to hear what you guys think if you're on YouTube. And if you're on a uh, podcast, you can message me on Instagram at baseballcollectormike. We'd love to hear from you, your thoughts about this episode. Thanks, everybody, so much. Go check out Drew's channel. The Drew of Vintage Legacy is his channel name. Check him out. You'll enjoy. You'll hear some great stories about cards. Talk to you guys later. Keep collecting.